kind of learn as you go and you're like, this is actually not what I want. Um, I learned that the hard way, but this is what I do want. And this is what I'm going to work towards. And I was just so exhausted. I just really pushed myself into a bad place that first prep. I think that's probably the issue is that there's so there's almost too much information out there now that people don't understand that there's no magic number and it can very easily like fall to the waistline. Like, you know, you're busy, you're juggling so many things, but, but realistically, if you don't actually have an appointment with yourself, those hours will just disappear and they'll come and go and you'll not get it done. So that's the key to achieving anything is just being planned and prepared. Welcome back to the Health and High Performance Podcast, where we dive deep into the mindset and strategies to help you become your most happiest, healthiest, and productive self. I'm your host, Jessica Duchesne, health coach, engineer, and self-proclaimed productivity guru. This podcast is for the aspiring high performers who want to up-level their life, not just in their careers or business, but also their own health and well-being. Here we learn how to optimize your day through quality nutrition and exercise, better time management, and daily habits and routines routines tried and tested by the world's most successful high performers because I believe anything is possible if you believe it enough to take relentless action every single day. Get ready for today's dose of all things health and high performance. In today's episode, I chat with Gabby Knuckles, Women's Lifestyle and Comp Prep Coach. We hear about her very interesting journey into the health and fitness industry, how to set boundaries for your own health and mindset, and Gabby's incredible road to becoming an ICN and IFBB fitness pro athlete. We also hear about what a day in the life of Gabby looks like right down to her incredibly regimented morning routine and nighttime routine to fully optimize her day. Gabby's incredible mental resilience and dedication to achieving her goals is super inspiring and she's just such a humble person. I know you guys are going to love her and this episode, so let's get into it. Gabby, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. How are you going? I'm very well. I'm so excited to have you on because, (laughs) I mean, you've been a huge part of my life right now, especially like all the way since December, I basically talk to you every single day. Yes. And for those who aren't aware, Gabby is my comp prep coach for an ICM bikini comp this year, which I never thought I would actually do again, but here we are. But um, wow. I'm, I know, and I'm also really excited to have you on because I just think that you are the epitome of health and high performance. And obviously uh-huh. this podcast is about that. And so I really can't wait to just learn more about you and share more about you and your incredible journey as well. Oh, thanks, Jess. And thank you so much for doing this podcast. I think um, it's just such a great tool for other competitors, but also just other people that are interested in health and fitness and, and learning a bit more about the industry. So it's really mm, thank good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I've been really, really enjoying it. But yeah. um, Gabby, for those who aren't aware who you are and what you do, give us a little yeah. spiel about yourself. Okay, <laughs> I'll try not to ramble. Um, no, I ramble, it's fine. So I work in women's uh, fitness and health coaching in Melbourne's eastern suburbs. Um, I do, I work with lifestyle clients um, and also some sports clients that work specifically for running, uh, training and actually a, a few gymnastics clients at the moment as well. Um, but probably majority of what I do is actually comp Uh, clients now working with comp clients Um, and I work online and face-to-face as well yeah 
Awesome. So a bit of an array of things and it's good that yeah. you're <laughs> offline and online as well, which is a huge um, tool and a big part of your business, like being online at the moment, especially Definitely. because of the year we've had last year and the restrictions. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely, um, I think, such a big component now of what I do, obviously, because of, you know, COVID and um, being restricted with seeing people face to face. But online is great because it allows me to work with more clients. You know, face to face is quite, as a personal trainer, it's it's quite taxing. So, you know, if you're doing more than 10, seeing more than 10 clients a day, it's just like, it can really... Um, be quite detrimental to your own health and balance so I think it's good to have it as that extra tool because I can't physically see all of my clients you know (laughs) in the week or throughout the day because it's just there's just not enough hours in the day so it kind of it allows to have that contact and communication and work with other people that um, they might not be able to come and see you they live far away um, and it kind of works hand in hand for both Mm-hmm. um parties yeah. so yeah really good yeah and I think um like even just through being one of your I'm an online client of yours however yes. we do catch up face to face every now and then I still feel like I get the same amount of um you know attention as if I was in almost in person because you know I send videos these days and um you've got uh, the trainerized app as well and I think through um technology you can get so much out of it and um oh, yes yeah, and, and you probably, um, you know, realise that as well with, with your clients that online is, is a great, great tool. Oh, definitely. I think in some aspects it's probably even uh, a better way of communicating in the, in the fact that with online, you know, I, I'll train, sorry, with face-to-face, I see people for their session, um, you know, maybe once, twice, three times a week. And you obviously have a chat there and then, but then, Um, And look, I do speak to a lot of my face-to-face clients during the week as well. But with online clients, it kind of gives you that extra point of touch where you can communicate daily, multiple uh, times during the day. Like if you've got a question, you'll contact me and I can respond when I get a chance. And, you know, it kind of does, I think, actually create greater engagement. So there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of positives to online. Um, And it's just that instantaneous you know, it's like at our fingertips, we, you know, wherever we are, we can communicate on the go. So I think it's yeah. really, it's really cool. And it does, um, you know, add that extra bit of support to the whole process. Mm-hmm. Which is, we're so lucky. I mean, imagine like, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years ago, how you'd have to see a coach probably twice, three times a week to try and have that same um, support and communication, or you just wouldn't have it, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah it's, it's it's such a great tool no yeah I completely agree so tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and how you I, you're obviously very passionate about health and fitness yeah tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you got into the industry yeah sure um it's a long story but I'll try and condense it so I My mum was a ballet dancer professionally and my dad um, was a marathon runner. So I guess you could say I've grown up in a really active fitness orientated household. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was um, younger, I was, um, you know, always involved in sports. I did ballet, dancing, 
triathlons, tennis, like you name it, I did it kind of thing. Um, and so, but my passion was really ballet. So I kind of, I started doing from year nine through to, uh, well, actually probably from nine to year 11, I did part-time ballet dancing. So, sorry, so I was dancing every single day um, for half a day and then doing school the other half of the day. And wow. then when I was 16, I moved to Melbourne on a scholarship to the Australian Conservatoire of Ballet and I did my full-time ballet diploma there um, whilst finishing year 12. So it was quite a challenge, but um, mm-hmm. I did love it. Uh, but ballet specifically for me, I think getting to that point where you have to really, like you're at that really elite level and you're dancing seven days a week and you're looking to travel overseas and audition for dance companies it just got a bit overwhelming for me I I didn't want to travel like at the age of 17 on my own overseas and I didn't Mm. have that confidence to do it so I kind of lost that spark and passion for it over those couple of years that I was dancing full-time and decided that I wanted to like have a better balance of life and you know go to uni and experience different things and have a boyfriend and you know like just Mm. live kind of I guess you could say so but that was you know such a big part of my life and I learned so much from that um just in every aspect discipline um you know the strength the mental fortitude it was such a like a big part of my life for such a long time. I started dancing when I was three. So um, for a really so young time. as well. Yeah, I know. Um, and so that's kind of where that went. And I actually went to uni then to study. Um, I did communications and I majored in journalism, which is totally different to what I do, obviously. But um, I did learn a lot through that Um, process and I don't regret it for a second Um, whilst I was doing that I was doing competitive cheerleading Um, so I was kind of still active and involved in sports I started going to the gym during that time Um, and that's probably where that passion for actual resistance and weights training started Um, so I kind of did that on the side it was a bit of a secret passion because at that point in time culturally like being strong and fit and muscular was not really the thing. Um, Mm. Competing wasn't very big at that point in time. Um, And, you know, a lot of my friends thought it was really strange that I went to the gym and they couldn't really understand it. So, um, yeah, so it was like a little bit of a secret passion, but it was kind of ticking away there in the background. Um, And then I started working in marketing and communications and, you know, a desk, a corporate desk job for, I literally lasted a year. Um, And during that time. So you finished that? Yeah, I finished my course and I I started working in the industry and I just realized that I just had no, like, there was no passion there. I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. I'm such an active person that sitting at a desk all day was just not the right kind of lifestyle for me. So I started studying during that year um, and then slowly kind of worked my way into the fitness industry. I started teaching bar classes, which is um, kind of a combination of fitness and ballet, I guess you could say. Um, I started doing that. I started my PT business and um, yeah, and then it kind of just 
took off from there. I, I, I worked, I was working a few different jobs to try and balance it out, I guess, financially. Because when you first started the industry, I didn't work for a commercial gym. I started working from a small private um, school gym and I was just doing it part-time. So it was kind of a bit of a slow burn, but over the year, over the years, um, eight to nine years in the industry, the business has kind of just developed and grown organically. Like I, um, just from word of mouth and recommendations, I haven't really advertised um, aside from a bit of like, you know, using Instagram and social media as a tool, but, Mm -hmm. um, and now it's what I do full time. So um, it's taken me a while to get there. It definitely was like, quite a hard slog for the first I'd say four years (laughs) Um, just trying to balance everything out and still have you know a steady income and trying to build a business on the side but now it's at a point where I'm very fortunate that I can do this full-time and put all of my energy into my little baby which is my business. (laughs) Wow such a such an interesting journey and um, you're obviously like really passionate in the um I guess in like the athletic field, you know, going from um, and also like a bit of creative as well, from dancing yeah. to cheerleading and then um, you know, journalism. And then it's you've really got a interesting journey. And I think like, like you said, you wouldn't change anything. And you've no, yeah. learned a few things along the way that have made you who you are and made the business that you have today. Yes, exactly. I think it's like any experience, you know, sometimes it's it's about the journey you don't always know exactly what you want to do and where you want to be straight away but it's about finding that and and learning through the process and every thing or activity that you take on kind of leads you to where you're meant to be um and it has taken me I'd say a good 10 years to really absolutely find my place and my passion not that the passion wasn't there it's always been there but to actually make it into what I do for work um, completely and actually find specifically my niche as well Um, because there's one thing being in the fitness industry and being a personal trainer that's quite a generalized you know scope but I Mm. think finding something that you are really passionate about and that you enjoy doing and is your niche is is quite it does take a bit of time and it it does take that journey to get there and that's probably what I'm trying to say is that you know everything that I've done even though some of it has been not quite what I'm doing now has got me to this place Mm. you know and you kind Mm. of learn as you go and you're like this is actually not what I want um, I learned that the hard way, but this is what I do want and this is what I'm going to work towards. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Some really good advice there. I think for anyone who is trying to find their way and or is overwhelmed or stressed that they're not doing what they should be or um, yeah. that they're not going in the direction that they should be or they're trying to create a passion or a business out of what they're passionate about, I think there's so much uh, value and um people can look up to you and and your journey and just to know that it's okay like even though you're not where you want to be just keep moving I find like that is the best advice just keep trying different things um try not to say no and just take up opportunities and you you never know until you're actually doing the thing that's great advice and I yeah Mm -hmm. I totally agree you've just got to keep working towards it um 
in any capacity that you can and just being um, patient as well. Patience is key, yeah. Yeah, no, some really, really good advice and and just being authentic as well, for sure. Totally, yeah, and not being afraid to, you know, if something is not feeling right or working for you not being afraid to let it go you know it's one of those things I think you study at university for for a certain degree and then you go into that industry and you feel kind of I think sometimes stuck or pressured that you've made that choice when you were you know 19 18 19 um, to do that that course and to get into that industry and then you kind of feel stuck Um, but I think it's just about not really caring what anyone else thinks. And if it doesn't feel right to you, trusting your gut and like just allowing yourself to kind of work towards whatever your passion is. Mm. Um, And as you said, not saying no to certain things, like allowing it just to flow organically and um, yeah, work towards Mm. it. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, no, 100%. I think a lot of people feel like when they're on a certain journey that they can't get off it or like they're too far in or it's too late. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's never too late. And I think the worst thing is to get so far with something and then to feel like, oh, I wish I had done this or those sort of things that that can really debilitate you mentally. Exactly. You don't want to have regrets. Absolutely. But let's um, move more into your health and fitness journey. When did uh, competing Uh, come into play when did you start to think yeah I want to get into this and um, do as well as as you did as well (laughs) Um, it was interesting I think for me I it really started this sounds ridiculous and I'm having like a fangirl sound like a fangirl moment here but um, I back in the day I don't know if you remember Sophie Gwydalyn Yes, I'm very familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. It's amazing. She's amazing. Mm. And she was, I would say, like the pioneer really of the like comp kind of um, bikini comp scene. Uh, She was competing back like early 2000s um, when I first started going to the gym. And I remember coming across her Instagram and it was a fitness model's diary or something like that at that at that point in time Mm -hmm. and I just loved everything that she was posting I really it really resonated with me um and I just found it so fascinating following her journey and I just and I really admired her she had kids and she was competing and she just was strong and so empowered and a very confident person and I really like it really inspired me um so I started going to the gym uh and doing started doing weights training probably when I was about I'd say 18 19 kind of when it started um Mm -hmm. I joined fitness first and I started going to the gym quite regularly to be honest I didn't really know what I was doing (laughs) if I look back I'm kind of like wow like most of us (laughs) yeah (laughs) But I enjoyed it. I really just enjoyed going to the gym and like lifting some weights. And I felt really started feeling stronger and, and more confident in myself. Um, so the competing thought 
was always there because it kind of was a combination of my dance background with performing, um, the fitness aspect, obviously, physically working towards something and having goals. So it was kind of all encompassing a lot of things that I really enjoyed or had done in the past. Mm-hmm. So I had it in the back of my mind, but I definitely was not in a position to compete. And I knew that I needed to grow more muscle and size. I'd come from, you know, a dancing ballet background where the aesthetic is to be as tiny as possible. Mm. Um, And we used to get weighed weekly and we were told like just basically to starve ourselves. And so my body. Are you kidding? No, seriously. Yeah, really like really backwards, I guess, then. But so my body was in a state where I was very petite. Um, I'm fine boned naturally, but I was very, very little um, and probably weighed like, uh, I, I would say in excess of 10 kilos, 15 kilos less than I do now, probably mm. like really small um, and definitely under like malnourished. But I, I knew that I needed to really put in some time and effort into, you know, if I wanted to compete. So basically I, I didn't start even considering competing or um, preparing for it until early, I'd say late 2015, early 2016. Um, but by this stage, I'd been working with a coach and I had built up quite a bit of muscle and um, obviously had been going to the gym consecutively and um yeah consistently for a a good five years or so five six years so um I started working with Jacob and Shay from JPS and we just I, I knew them personally as friends so I felt really comfortable with them and I knew that they were really um quite holistic and up to date with their way of uh training competitors um you know there's a lot of at that point in time there was still a lot of bad coaching around but because I did um know Jacob and Shay and I really had a a bit of a not like a good knowledge and understanding of how they did things I felt really comfortable going with them and I had a great experience it was a really good prep obviously you never know what to expect when you're first competing so Mm -hmm. it was all very like I learned so much in that year um but I did get on stage, it would have been season A 2017, maybe 20, I think it was 2017. I actually can't remember if it was 2016 or 2017. Um, and yeah, and then kind of just got the bug <laughs> and that was it. And then basically since that first comp, I've done about um, 14, 14 or 15 comps back to back since then so wow it's been it's been a really big part of my life for the last five years yeah absolutely I was actually scrolling through Instagram a few days ago and I went right down to the bottom so full stalker vibes and I like there was just because the only way that I could really tell that it was a different competition was the different bikini colors and you have quite a few different bikinis and so I was like I can't count how many shows this is but I'm pretty sure there's definitely like you know a few yeah. there yeah. um and oh I my started, god I started that Instagram after like it was not until the second year I think that I was like oh I'm actually going to start documenting some of my comp journey mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm glad I have because 
you know, it's nice to look back on, but before, yeah, before that I've like lost a bit of content, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, I think it's so inspiring. And you were sort of, you did it every day and you were like, you know, yeah. 10, 20 days until show day. And um, I think it's so cool when people take you behind the scenes and show you like what they're eating, how they're feeling. It was like your own personal diary. And I think people really resonate with that. I know being the person that puts it out there, I, me, myself, um, having yes. uh, Instagram where I share a lot of my own health and fitness journey as well. You sometimes think, but who really cares? Who really wants to see this? But the reality is that people love seeing that. And I, re- I really enjoyed reading all your captions. It was really cool. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's also nice to just be able to reflect as, you mm. know, see how far you've come because mm-hmm. we all, you know, we all have our own journey and there's um, just so much growth in that process. And sometimes we forget how far we've come. So being able to actually look back on that is really cool. Like, wow, like, yeah, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. I'm feeling really good. Like I've learned so much and it's really awesome to look back on that. So I think it's great to keep an account. I think it's great that you're, you know, putting yourself out there and showing people what the process is like, because at the end of the day, you know, there isn't enough information out there on competing. And I think that the more information that we have access to, the better for mm-hmm. our own personal journey, but also feeling um, more of a community, you know, engagement and mm-hmm. feeling connected to each other. So, yeah, it's mm. really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like you said, like it, it is, you grow so much in that, in that, through that process and it's such a rapid uh, growth as well because yes. every single day you're testing and challenging yourself, you're putting yourself in that uncomfortable position. And um, (laughs) as many people know, like that's where you grow, like where you feel uncomfortable and um, tell us. Yeah. yeah. And and you did mention um, each comp prep, well, you always mentioned to me each comp prep um, is quite different. Um, Can you talk us through that and maybe um, tell us about some of your most memorable competitions and for both for good and not so good reasons? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, yeah, definitely. Every prep has been so different um, in every way. I think it's there's so many factors that come into play with it. The first is obviously the circumstances around the prep, so your life, your life at that point in time. Um, it's something that I always say to clients that um, approach me to do a prep that you know, as it's a really hard process it's obviously quite challenging as we just said so you really want to try and make sure that your your life is in the best possible balance it can be and I know that's always mm. hard because we're all in different positions you might have you know something going on personally or relationship wise or work whatever it might be but um, because it is so taxing and you and you would know this now you know you've done this is your second comp Mm. um you really need to be in the right frame of mind but also to have the all of the external factors of life being in a reasonable balance um otherwise it's really it, it makes it even more challenging than it is so for me um because it has been so many years of consecutively competing obviously like life has kind of you know, <laughs> progressed during that time and things mm. have happened along the way. Um, so there's been different challenges with every prep 
Um, the first prep I did, which I would never do again, and I definitely don't recommend this to anyone, <laughs> is um, my husband and I bought a, a house. We started renovating it. We'd moved twice in the space of like four months. And oh my gosh. we were working and like doing the actual, some of the renovations ourselves. And I was just so exhausted. Like my body from painting for hours and then going to the gym and then doing cardio. Mm. And it was like <laughs> the worst. I, I don't, I just really pushed myself into a bad place that first prep. And I really did crash after, like, I remember, um, feeling so ill after I finished that, like literally on the day of my comp, I got off stage, we jumped in the car, I got some food and we drove down um, to my father-in-law's house um, and we were meant to go out for dinner and I was just so exhausted and so ill. I started vomiting because I, my body was just like, <laughs> you know, I think the stress of everything over the months had just piled up. So that was wow. probably like, you know, that was a, not a great experience, but I learned from that. Did you know um, that you would be doing a reno in the middle of that prep? I did. Yeah. Okay. So that was just, yeah, <laughs> but that was the thing. It was my first prep and I had no idea yeah. what to expect. So I thought yeah. I'll be able to do this. Like it's fine, but mm. you know, it's so important to be aware of these things, but also from a coaching perspective, this is why I always say to my clients, you know, I, I make everyone aware, even with peak week, you know, it might be good to take, if you can take some time off leading up to it, it's going to be a bit of a challenging week or, you know, maybe if you're doing X, Y, and Z, maybe try and balance it out somehow, or maybe consider competing later on, you know, like you've, you've got to just be aware of how taxing it is so that you can prepare yourself as best as possible for that you know, period of time that you're preparing. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I had no idea. So it was, that was my own doing, but it was quite a challenge. And then obviously throughout the years, I've had like some preps or some years that I've had, I've had like 10, 15 weddings during that time. So I've had to navigate that. Wow. I've had like, you know, travel overseas. I had my own wedding um, during, you know, one of my preps. So it's just like, you know, every prep is different because of the circumstances surrounding it. Um, mm -hmm. But you learn something new and different from each of those. Um, and yeah, it just makes you understand the process so much more. And that's why I have so much confidence in coaching others because I literally have been through it myself in every capacity possible <laughs> and every situation and circumstance I've lived it you know so I can really um I have the the actual knowledge and tools and experience to hand over to others mm -hmm. who are going through the process yeah yeah oh that's so good and to yeah. be able to um provide advice firsthand having been through it and being like look I've already made this mistake so don't yeah. make the same mistake I did <laughs> don't make it <laughs> so that was so you, you say your first comp was um was quite a challenge because you didn't know what was coming and you had a lot of other things going on in your life um yeah. what was one of your most favorite preps and yeah. and competitions most favorite preps and competitions that's a hard one I don't know if I have a favorite if I'm being completely honest I think probably the most streamlined and easiest comp and um 
the one I felt probably the best at was when I actually won my pro card. That was my second comp. And because I, I, like, it was quite, it was quite close. I think the first one was March. And then that one was either, I think it was May, April or May. So only a couple of months after. Um, because I'd obviously had that experience, I knew what to expect. Um, and I, I was already, like, ready for stage. So really, in, the, in another eight weeks, you know, you've kind of got extra time to get even better um, and to work. And I just felt so well. I felt so good. I, I was just at my optimum. I felt really healthy. And it was just a bit of a breeze compared to the first time. So I really enjoyed that. And I think, obviously, the icing on the cake when you, you know, achieve something like that just made it an even better experience for myself mm. so it's probably my most memorable comp um uh for a good reason my pro- probably the the one memorable for not so good was obviously my first one was challenging but probably the one that was the most mentally straining was my first pro show which was later on in that year after I won my pro card um I just I think put so much pressure on myself um to you know to achieve and I my headspace my mindset was just off I was just so I had so much stress and anxiety um, surrounding the actual day itself that I just had completely tapped out. I really didn't enjoy being on stage. I was, my, my posing was off. I felt like my head was not there. I didn't enjoy it. I felt like I just wanted to get off stage. <laughs> Honestly, mm. just I didn't want to be there. And it's because I'd mentally worked myself into this headspace that was just such a negative place to be and I'm usually not like that like I'm a very positive first person and I I've never felt like that before but I think just the pressure of the whole experience I just got in my head Mm -hmm. um and you know when you've when you're up against like other pros and it's your first time and you feel like you've got to kind of prove something to yourself and I just yeah I think I just worked myself up into this weird headspace. But looking back, I think it's so, it's so funny. Like I just am like, why did you, why did you think like that? You know, like mm. <laughs> it was just like any other comp. You could have enjoyed yourself and had a great time, but you decided to like, you know, take yourself to this place. But it just shows you how strong your mindset is, like how much it can control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's not such a great experience. Wow, and it's yeah. um it's crazy how each one can be so different. And, and like you said, your mindset really just takes you either yeah. from one end of the spectrum or the other. So um, I think a big a big part is having a good support network around you and people um, yes. who are, are maybe not going through the same prep who can help you um, as a coach or like from like a third person perspective and to pull your to pull your head in when things yeah exactly because because you really do like you get this tunnel vision when you're in prep and sometimes like sometimes (laughs) like your perspective can just be like so out of whack and you don't realize but because it's your life you wake up every day thinking the same thing you do there's a lot of repetition in it yeah um it can get very consuming and I think it's very 
you're right, if you don't have the support, the right support system around you or someone to like pull you out of it, it can it can get overwhelming and you can start to like even something as simple as you have tunnel vision but you also can't see where you're at like you think that you're not ready or you think that you're not good enough and you start like questioning yourself and you can really you can really get into your head in a bad way and I see it happen quite often so having someone to support you is really I think but important but also having like the right person because some people some coaches they can't see that or they're not able to talk you out of it um Mm. so it's just about finding that right person for you as well I think yeah yeah no absolutely and I think even with you when you check in with me you're like you know how are you going and I'm like yeah I've done my cardio done my training this and that and just but then you're like no but how are you like how are you feeling and I'm like oh (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm all right. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe yeah. like things will probably change further down the track, but like you're very much um, onto, you know, re- really checking in with your athletes and being yeah. like, but how are you feeling? Like, where's your headspace at? You know, you I know you've done to. all the things and tick the boxes, but there's a whole other side of it, which is your mental health. Exactly. It's not just about ticking the boxes. Like that's easy enough to do, but it's actually how you're feeling and mentally where you're at because that will determine everything else. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like as simple as being like, look, I'm actually not okay or I'm really tired and then being like, okay, let's action a plan. Like make sure you take an extra rest day or, you know, let's have a refeed or why don't you go and do this or this or this or whatever it might be. But mm-hmm. it's about like really being able to navigate that and make a plan that kind of sets you back on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's such mindset is such an important part of this whole process. Mm. In fact, it's probably the key. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as much of a, of a mental sport than it is a physical sport. So Definitely, yeah. And so you've actually prepped your, yourself a couple of competitions. Talk us through how, yes. how that was because, you know, we talk about having a support network and having a coach who you check in with every day. It must take <laughs> so much discipline and mental resilience and I guess getting a bit of a background about your ballet and your cheerleading and um, having that discipline instilled quite early on in your life would have maybe helped you um, be able to do this? Yeah, 100%. So um, I guess I was at a point where my coach at the time like, was amazing and I honestly was the biggest mentor to me. I learned so much. But um, I feel that it was at a point where I probably wasn't getting the support that I needed. Um, and I, I felt as though I was kind of almost prepping myself Um So I was having like one weekly check-in, but it was a bit messy and it wasn't quite structured. And I was just like, I was putting the structure into place myself, if that makes sense. So I got to a point where I thought, you know what, like I'm prepping clients for comps. I know my body inside out, back to front. I have, uh, you know, I've got, I know I have the discipline and the strength mentally to undertake this task. So why not just go for it? Um, Mm. So I did and, you know, it was actually one of those things I think 
because I have been so heavily involved in the sport or had been for quite a few years by that stage, and as I said, I knew myself really well, I found it quite effortless. I know it sounds ridiculous, but just like I made myself a plan and a checklist and I just did those things um, and I just got it done. And Mm. my husband was my... I guess, support network. Like he's really, he'd been through the whole process with me from the very start. So 15 times. Yeah. So so he really understands the process. He understands me, how I am at different points during prep and was able to kind of be that person that I would speak to. And he'd even like, I do check-ins with him. (laughs) That is so cute. It's so funny. He'd be like, yeah, like, okay, cool. This is what, you know, I think maybe you need to like do a bit more cardio or maybe you should diet down a bit more or maybe you need to eat. Like it was, you know, really helpful from that aspect. Um, I also have a lot of PT and coach friends. So um, they'd often like check in with me. We'd have a chat. They'd ask me how I was going. They'd offer some advice. Like it was kind of one of those things where I didn't feel that I was alone. Um, Mm. And as I said, like in the previous prep, I felt that I was pretty much doing it myself anyway. So it was kind of the same thing. I just didn't have someone like once a week to kind of check that I was on the right path or, mm-hmm. you know, ask, do you think I should do these macros this week? You know, like it was kind of just instead of asking someone else, it was just me kind of assessing myself and making a new plan. The mm-hmm. hardest part of the process was more so the actual peaking for stage I found that really challenging um, Mm -hmm. only because in some aspects of you know comp day you're so overwhelmed with what's going on you're getting your hair makeup tan you you know you're getting ready um, that you can't really see yourself properly sometimes it's hard to even get a mirror I've had some comps where um, at the big shows at uh, South Wharf there's just there's no like apart from going to the toilet, there's no mirrors anywhere. So mm. so carving up is a bit of an issue. And I found that that was probably the hardest thing to juggle was to actually visually see myself and know how much carbohydrate to give myself or when um, I've had some shows that have like gone three hours late. So I was like peak too early and just not to have someone that's not there kind of managing the timing and what you need to be doing that's that's probably the most taxing part of the whole Mm. um even when you just say they're not being a mirror there I mean as a as a competitor and assuming that I'm going to have a coach there I wouldn't even think that that'd be an issue because I've always got someone there to look at me and who's there purely to see how my body is changing over the day but when you're coaching yourself it's like how do you actually see yourself other than like the view you have from like like uh, over your chest like there's not really you really need a full-length mirror for that exactly so there's been times where I think I have looked like I've I've looked good on stage but I could have been fuller or more Mm. carved up um and that's just, that comes down to just visually not having the tools to kind of know, because it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very fine balance. There's a very fine line between overspilling and being at the right fullness mm-hmm. um, that on that particular like show day. So um, yeah, having someone there to help you get ready from a time perspective is like, that's, 
really important. Um, just knowing like, say, if the show is running late or if it's running early, where they're up to, when you need to start pumping up, what you should be eating when, and just having another set of eyes to help you through that process is, is really key. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I I definitely think it's worthwhile having a coach. I um, Although I really enjoyed the experience of coaching myself, and I, I definitely wouldn't say that I'll never coach myself again, but um, I think that it is really important to have another set of eyes. And particularly now with where I'm at in my work um, and business sense, I have so many competitors that I'm looking after. I really don't want the mental strain of prepping myself. Mm. Um, I don't feel that I could juggle that, like say this year or next year, I would, I would definitely need someone to just tell me what to do and just trust them and, follow the plan and not have to overthink it because when you are prepping yourself you know effectively it's like having another client you know (laughs) um and it does have that mental load that extra mental load so um yeah there's good and bad to it I definitely have learned so much from that experience again that's helped me with my own coaching um and I wouldn't change it for the world like I'm I was really proud of myself for being able to do that and um Yes, it's definitely another part of the the lesson and journey, I guess. You should be so proud. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Jess. <laughs> I won't well, do it again anytime soon, though. <laughs> well, do you have plans year. to compete again? Um, I think I definitely will compete again. It's more of a fact of when. I think probably next year at some point, maybe late 2022, just depending mm-hmm. on how things go and, yeah see what life where life takes me (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, no absolutely well changing gears just a little bit here yeah um as I'm really big on time management and creating structure in your life and being as productive as possible and um always trying to find new ways to optimize and get the most out of your day take us through a bit of a life in your shoes so just like work life in life Yeah. yeah um definitely for me organization is key um Mm. I (laughs) I I just think it's the biggest part of the piece of the puzzle um whether it's fitness or non-fitness related um for me every day every week is prepared actually probably every month I'd say I look ahead for the month and I kind of plan out my month based on you know when I've got clients competing um, social commitments, you know, work, certain work commitments, whatever it might be. Um, I always plan, I use my diary and calendar. I make appointments with myself. Um, I make, you know, I literally make appointments for everything that I have to do every single day um, to make it happen. I'm just, you know, we're all so busy and, you know, whatever you want to achieve, you can achieve. And we have the time to achieve it, but it's about prioritizing mm. and actually structuring a plan and having an idea of how each day will look um, and each week will look so you can actually achieve those certain points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that the aspect of just being organized and um, having that 
um, like foresight of, of what might happen and how will I go about it if this pops up and um, that can alleviate a lot of the stress. And I can imagine with you, obviously your job is to help other people with their health and fitness. Um, mm-hmm. You also need to look after your own health and fitness. And so is that one of the ways that you, you manage to <laughs> yeah. juggle both? Yeah, definitely. Like for me, you know, I'm so acutely aware that my training, my own personal training, nutrition, sleep, self-care, and I guess my relationships are such a big and important part to my life so that I can be the best best version of myself as, as a coach. Um, I am absolutely foul if I don't get my training in. Like, <laughs> I am absolutely my foul. Like, yeah, he's just like, you need to train. You're just like, you're not like. <laughs> it's one of those things for me. It's it's not the training is not just the physical side of it, like the aesthetics. It's definitely not the biggest part of it for me. It's actually for my mental health. Like, I just mm. the endorphin release and the energy that I get from training is like absolutely everything to me um so because I'm so aware of what I need for myself in the week like that's I have to plan it in I have to structure it in because I won't I won't be the best coach to you or you know all of my other clients if I'm not taking care of myself as well um and it can very easily like fall to the waistline. Like, you know, you're busy, you're juggling so many things. You might be like, oh, you know, I'll just train. I'll just try and train whenever I like have a spare hour or whatever. But realistically, if you don't actually have an appointment with yourself, those hours will just disappear and they'll come and go and you'll not get it done. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it is really, that's the key to achieving anything is just being planned and prepared, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I can 100% attest to that. And like the, the, the beauty of like time blocking is just, it's so essential. And I think people think that when you are, you know, so vigilant with your calendar that you're almost kind of taking the fun out of it or the spontaneity out of it. But <laughs> I really think that if, if, for me anyway, if I don't plan to, you know, have date night or to take a bath or like actually scheduling things, appointments yeah. for my own personal health and um, mental, you know, stability, then it just doesn't happen, especially if you are so driven in your career or if you're an athlete, you know, comp, doing a comp prep, like you just yeah. forget about it. Definitely, you do. And then by the time, you know, months have passed and you haven't had that date night or you haven't caught up with that friend or you haven't, you know, gone and, I don't know, had a self-care appointment, like getting your eyebrows done or whatever it might be. It's just like, you know, you've got to prioritise those things because they do they do make up for the big, the whole picture. If you're missing those components, it over time it does take its toll. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you can't holistically be well and healthy without all of the different facets. It's not just about training and nutrition. It's a lot of other aspects, yeah. 100%. You mentioned that making sure that you get your training in first thing makes you a nicer human being. But (laughs) are there other things that you do, maybe like types of training or foods you eat or certain things and tweaks that you do in your day that make you more productive? Um, Definitely. So um, for me, I really like to walk 
I, I find it just so grounding and mm. like a bit of a, it's almost like my form of meditation. So I love to, I love to walk and I generally in my morning have like a good 45 minute break between my early, early morning clients and then my mid morning clients. So I always utilize that time to go for a walk. I grab a coffee. I spend a little bit of time decompressing. Um, and that's like really key for me. I feel that that kind of relaxes me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a huge part of, I guess, my day is also I, yeah, nutrition is, is really key. I'm very, very particular and quite precise with my, <laughs> with my morning routine and also what I eat throughout the day. Um, Cause I know that I know when I need to eat, I know when I'm going to get hungry. I know what my body needs to actually function well. Um, so I always, you know, get up first thing after I go to the bathroom, I have like 600 mils to a liter of water. I take all of my supplements. I have my apple cider vinegar and hot water, and then I get ready for my work day. Um, mm. And I do not ever miss that. That is just like clockwork. Mm. <laughs> um, and I know that if I don't do that and I don't set myself up for the day with that routine, I just will not be, my day just won't be optimal. I won't mm-hmm. feel myself. Um, I just think it's a nice way to set yourself up, you know. Mm. Oh, daily, like morning routines and like little rituals like that. It just really does something about just setting the tone for the day. And um, it just starts to build the momentum because it's like I've done the best I can do this morning um, by getting that done. And then it's like, okay, ready for whatever else is next. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So that they're probably the key things in my day um, that just make the day function productively and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I guess yeah make it I guess more streamlined (laughs) yeah 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 so you've talked a little bit about your morning routine yeah do you have like a night routine that you that you do which I always feel like that goes hand in hand because if your night routine is not in check then it really impacts your morning routine so um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do on on a daily basis yeah definitely so not every single day is the same but there are aspects of Um, the day that are very much like clockwork and as I mentioned I've got that morning routine which I do um, every single morning I also do it on the weekends like that's just a non-negotiable for me Um, I start work really early I start face-to-face with clients from 5am during the week from Monday to Friday so I'm up at four I do my routine um, my bags are already packed I get dressed I go Um, I usually um, have clients from about 5am through till probably 8, 8.30. And then I usually have my break where I have, um, I always have a morning smoothie (laughs) with Mm -hmm. my protein and banana and almond milk or oat milk. Um, And I'll go for my walk, have my coffee, decompress um, and kind of reset myself for the day. Because, you know, when you start so early, you don't really have like I have an hour before I start work, but it's not really enough time to kind of like do other things that I want to do or go for a walk or whatever. It's too dark at that time, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's too dark. Yeah. So um, that's like, that's my time. Um, then I usually work uh, again up until about lunchtime. 
at lunch, I sit down, I usually do paperwork, online check-ins and eat my lunch at the same time. Then I'll go to the gym. So I usually train after lunch. Um, that's my training time. I schedule that in. It's a, that's a must. <laughs> mm. um, then I will come home and I'll either do more admin or I study for an hour or so. Then I'll take my dog for a walk every afternoon. He needs to be walked, otherwise he gets a bit ratty. Mm. And then my husband and I have made this is a this is a 2021 rule um, <laughs> that we are home by 6:30 latest, um, so that we can get ourselves ready for the next day, cook dinner together, um, have enough time to decompress and relax mm-hmm. um, before going to bed. Because what I found in the past is. Um, just within the industry of, you know, working as a personal trainer, a lot of the time my my days were starting at 4am and then I would have afternoon clients as well and then I wouldn't be getting home until about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and then you're doing it the next day but you're not having enough time to actually relax, decompress after the day, have a nice meal and then get yourself ready to go to bed at a reasonable time. So I was going to bed way too late not having enough sleep and then just impacting on my general energy and um, I guess productivity throughout the day. Like I was just feeling really lethargic and tired all the time. Um, So this year I've really changed up my schedule. I only work Tuesday afternoons now and I've made sure that I have every afternoon off work so that I can get home at 6.30 and have dinner ready by 7, 7.30 and have time to stretch, have my magnesium, a herbal tea, um, and try and get in bed by nine at the latest and mm. off technology. So it's just, we've done a really like good job of, of staying to that rule. And mm. I have to say like a bit, just by getting more sleep um, and having a bit of structure around my bedtime routine has made a huge difference. Like I just feel so much more energetic um Mm. in general and I feel a lot more balanced Mm. as well yeah so that's amazing um, yeah but it's taken me a long time to get to this point (laughs) like years years and years and years like eight eight to ten years of of just absolutely smashing myself morning and night and not having enough balance or having a proper bedtime routine Mm. um and I think that's a huge part of it like I've you know, even with my clients, this is part of it. I can't preach, you know, to my clients, they should be doing something like this. And if I'm not doing it myself, you know, so it's like, I've got to walk the the talk. And um, because I am so conscious of everything else in my life, I felt like my, my bedtime routine was really letting me down. Mm -hmm. Um, and not having enough sleep and rest. So it's, and it's a huge part of the puzzle, particularly when you are prepping for a show, you need to be getting enough sleep. Um, you know, your training intensity is increased. Your nutrition is down. You're in a deficit. You've got cardio, you've got lifestyle and life, you know, um, factors to also kind of bring into it. And then if you're not getting enough sleep, then, you know, how can you have the energy to do all of that stuff and juggle it well? It just, mm. yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's a really important piece of the puzzle. 
Yeah, no, 100%. And it's just crazy. Those hours in the evening, I swear you just, you just think about making dinner and it's already like eight, eight 30, then you have a shower and then you're like, oh, well it's past my bedtime. Like it just goes so quickly. And I always find if I don't start thinking about cooking dinner by like 5.30ish, then you can be sure that I'll be in bed like 9.30 because once you cook, then, yeah. you know, sit down, decompress with your partner, watch a bit of TV or read or something, clean up. Um, it's already like 9.30. And then if you want to um, yeah. do anything before bedtime, it's like you can't because it's already so late. Yeah. And if you've got to like prepare yourself for the next day, yeah. then by the time you get to bed, it's like 10.30 and you're like, God. <laughs> mm. And then you don't fall asleep until maybe 11. And then, you know, you're up early yeah. the next day. It's just not enough sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is really key to try and manage yourself. And I always say to my clients, if possible, try not to exercise after 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. It's just too late as well. It's just like you're way mm. too stimulated you've got that endorphin kick and then you're trying to eat and get ready for bed and then you know it kind of just throws that all out of whack so it is really important to try and have that wind down time particularly if you are getting up early the next day yeah I hate training in the evenings I honestly just you saying that right now makes me feel sick I cannot train oh I know know. some people like it it's just such an interesting mm. thing I agree like if, if I if I don't train like by lunchtime, so that's my like when I train most days, anything after that, it's just not, <laughs> mm, it's yeah. just not going to happen. Like, Me too. Too late. Yeah. Me too. Um, just on the topic of clients and yeah. giving advice around health and fitness, and you've obviously seen a lot of female clients. Are there any common misconceptions that you find, whether it be around um, like weight training or even like fat loss? What's the most common one and how do you sort of um, debunk that misconception? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many out there. Um, lift, you know, the, the typical lifting weights makes you bulky. Um, that just, I honestly, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I have so many clients, I have um, yeah, a new client yesterday started with me and she was saying that she didn't want to get bulky legs. I'm like, honestly, mm. I I just am realistic. I try and educate people. So I always say, I use myself as an example a lot, but I'm like, unless you are in a like an aggressive caloric surplus, you're lifting extremely heavy weights or you're taking like PDs and, you know, um, steroids, you're not going to get bulky. Like it's just, it's impossible. If that was the case, I would be Hulk right now, you know, like (laughs) it's like, it's the struggle to actually build muscle, you know, like I've been training for like 10 years like this and it's still such a grind. If it was that Mm. easy, you know, um, (laughs) Mm. I'd be huge, but you know, that's, that's one that I hear all the time. That's just such a like total misconception. Um, the other one is probably the 1,200 calories. Like everyone thinks that's the magic number to lose weight. And really? Just, yeah, I, fi- I find that happens all the time. Like um, a lot of the time when I start clients on coaching and I, I start working out where their calories and macros should be, I often get the first thing is, oh, my God, that's so high. 
Like, mm. why are my calories so high? I like I should be on. Should I be on one thousand two hundred or, you know? And mm. it just seems to be that number. I don't know why. I don't know where everyone gets it from, but it's the number that everyone grabs out of thin air and it's like that's what I need to be eating a day to lose weight. And it's just so, it's so incorrect. It's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's Mm. just terrible. And it's such a generic thing to think. I think that's probably the issue is that there's so, there's almost too much information out there now that everyone has taken bits and pieces from what they see and they've interpreted it into whatever they want to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the time, people don't understand that there's no magic number. It's so many different factors. It's also about where your body's at, what your body requires and, you know, the amount of energy you expend, the the type of exercise you do, um, the lifestyle that you lead. There's so many different components that come into it. There's not a specific number that is, you know, how to lose Mm. that's how you lose weight and it's ever-changing like your macros and calories should never stay the same they should be adapting whether you're trying to lose weight yes for a competition they will gradually drop down but then you want to reverse back up and then you want to try and you know build up your calories so they're quite high um you know at that maintenance level that you can eat a little bit more and you're eating you know a good variety of different foods and macronutrients and micronutrients and there's no magic number so it's ever-changing and that's that's one that I hear all the time um the other thing is you know everyone wants a quick fix and they want a diet and they want to lose the weight right now but it takes time and it takes a lot of work um, and there's definitely no quick fix. There's no mm-hmm. magic pill. There's no magic exercise. There's no, you know, it just, it takes time. It takes consistency and it takes a good plan based on your individual needs, lifestyle and goals. Um, and also the other one probably I would say is macros are king. Um, as much as I like flexible dieting is absolutely everything you know, to me, I think it's such an amazing tool and macros is such a, a great way of tracking. And obviously that's what I use with my clients. The one thing that I sometimes find, and this is not always the case, but um, over the years, it's something I've come across that people just think because they've got macros, they can eat whatever they want to fit mm. into that, but then they're missing out on the micronutrients and actually fueling their body with the nutrients that they need to function and their you know day-to-day health is compromised by just eating crap food because they think that it like just because they're still in a caloric deficit or they're fitting those macros that they can eat whatever mm-hmm. and that's that's one that I, I I really think is quite damaging long term so um yeah it's definitely a misconception that people think macros yeah I think this eating. whole if it fits your macros, some people just kind of yeah. run with that and just think, oh, well, if it's in my macros, that it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think that it. is, yeah, I think it's yeah. um, social media as well that kind of um, creates this this misconception. And, you know, you see pe- um, people eating donuts and they're, you know, in their yeah. compact bikinis. But no one really understands, like, the context behind it. Like, this is the first donut that they've had maybe in, like, six months. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. it's just there's there's 
social media is eating that every day <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. so I think it's um you'd really need to be cautious about what information you take in from social media and totally. I think what's really important for people who are on a health and fitness journey is to first figure out like what is your goal um, rather than kind of looking on social media and seeing what other people are doing and then thinking that you should be doing that you really yeah. need to like always pull it back to like but what's realistic for you and, and what do you want to achieve like do you want to get on stage because then you need to be doing something different to work towards that goal but if that's not your goal then that you should be you shouldn't be trying to adopt these um ways of eating that people are in comp are, are are pursuing to get to the points you know yeah or if you just see that one photo of someone eating this specific thing and you think oh they look like that they're eating that so I can eat that and I'm going to eat that all the time and it's mm-hmm. just that you know yeah <laughs> I know it's just not having that perspective and um yeah social media obviously it's it's so good there's so much information and um it's such a great way of connecting people but there's also that negative side of it that things can be misinterpreted and um, taken out of context as well so I think it's really important whatever you're putting out there um, to make sure that you're educating people on why you're doing it or Mm -hmm. what the context is behind that particular thing um, and making people aware that you know it's important to to also focus on your internal health and the functionality um, of of that um, your pathologies and making sure that you're eating the right micronutrients as well it's not just about the diet and the aesthetic outcome yeah yeah 100 percent. there's just there's more more of a story to to social media than, than what we see and some people call it the highlight reel yeah things exactly like that right, right? <laughs> yeah yeah well, on my Instagram, I asked some of my viewers if they had any questions for you. Oh. And to be honest, we actually covered quite a lot of it anyway. But um, oh, there's a couple here that we um, maybe you could elaborate on a little bit more. Yes. Uh, but one of them was, what do you wish you had known before uh, getting up on or starting a comp prep? Oh, that's a good um, question. Mm. Um Definitely, as I said, I think earlier on just talking about my first prep, I wish I had have had a bit more understanding of what I was getting myself into at that particular point in time Mm. (laughs) Um, and just understanding the different components of a prep and how it worked and how it would impact on my life. I, I definitely think that first prep, I didn't have enough understanding or knowledge about the process that I was undertaking and what it actually looked like and how it would go through the stages. So I think that's a really key thing for new time competitors is to really have an understanding through your coach specifically, because obviously everyone coaches a little bit differently, um, you know, what you're in for, Um, what the actual process looks like from start to finish, what to expect, um, potential issues like within context of your lifestyle and the way that you are doing things or what you're going through at a particular point in time, how that will impact your prep. Um, I think those things are really key to understanding. Um, And I certainly didn't have that uh background or knowledge before doing my first prep so Mm -hmm. 
that yeah definitely that would have been one of the things mm. yeah no that's yeah. some really good advice I you kind of have moved and done a reno at the same time yeah. <laughs> let's put it that way yeah <laughs> yeah you kind of need to like look at your timeline you know during your your um prep and see you know what what other lifestyle factors what are other things are coming up that will yeah. have to work around this yeah. thing called prep that takes up 80% of your day exactly right no yeah. some really good advice there thanks Gabby another question uh from one of my viewers is do you have any advice on getting rid of the second line under the butt I believe it is an estrogen <laughs> pocket yeah um honestly that just comes down to nutrition um, just like anything, there's no magic, there's no magic way of reducing fat in a certain area. Um, yes, that could be due to, you know, your estrogen levels. It, it might be something worth getting blood tests done for. Um, I always advise that anyway, I think before starting a health and fitness journey to understand where your hormones are at, if there's any imbalances, because that can also attribute to um, issues surrounding weight loss. Um, so I think making sure that your pathologies are in order before you actually start going into a diet phase or a training phase is actually knowing if there's any underlying issues uh, to start mm. with. So it's probably the first thing I'd say. Um, the second thing is, yeah, there's no magic exercise or there's no magic number diet to get rid of that specifically. It all comes down to just making sure that you're eating um, the right amount of food, the right micro and macronutrient levels um, and finding the right kind of training and lifestyle set up for yourself but that's obviously something very specific to work towards with like a coach or a trainer um but yeah there's no there's no magic way of of reducing that mm. I mean yeah. I wish there was a way to spot reduce fat that wouldn't yes. be nice. <laughs> or spot increase fat it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you know plastic surgery yeah. or something out there I have no idea but I'm sure there's something I'm sure there's that. something yes um, but yeah I think it more comes down to just that those you know lifestyle factors um and as I said making sure that your pathologies are all in working order mm -hmm. yeah nope. some really really good advice there and we've covered off so much today what I like to end up with <laughs> is a little fun question what is your favorite cheat meal or maybe not just cheat meal but just something you like really yeah. enjoy eating sitting there and just like indulging in, in a meal <laughs> so funny I really like I really used to, I I don't know if you saw I didn't have any notes on that question <laughs> I really struggled with that um I, I think the easiest I, question of all of them <laughs> I know the easiest question. um I look I eat very clean and I really enjoy eating like that. So I, I would, I don't have a cheat meal as such. It's not really something that like is a thing for me, but um, I do really enjoy um, either a homemade pizza <laughs> um, mm. or a pizza, I, you know, pizza out. So that's probably if I was going to indulge in anything, that's what I would indulge in. Mm -hmm. um, 
I just love pizza. I don't know what it is. It must be my Italian heritage, but mm. <laughs> are you Italian? Um, yeah, my dad's Italian, so oh, um, that's probably where that comes from. But um, I love making like a cauliflower base pizza with lots of veg um, at home, and that's probably like my weekend kind of cheap meal as such. Yeah, yeah. but that's probably the extent of it. Like, I just mm. yeah. <laughs> No, I I can, no, I can, I'm the same. I, I, especially anything homemade, I just feel like it tastes a lot better. And I feel like sometimes you get disappointed when you buy things out because they don't add enough like protein or enough vegetables, but you can really control that when you make it yourself. I'm actually going to make a low carb pizza tomorrow. What sort of, um, yeah. What do you put on the base? Um, On the base, I just use that Celebrate Health tomato paste have you seen that yeah I have yeah so I use that um and I just load it up with like spinach and pumpkin tomato capsicum zucchini add a bit of chicken um a little bit of like feta sometimes or just a sprinkle of cheese um and that's pretty much it and that's just that's all I need Um, yeah it's so good and it's just really satisfying I think yes like really kind of you feel like you're indulging and it's quite you know when you load it up with veg it's quite dense so it's really satisfying yeah enjoy that make sure you you film it for everyone I will I'm literally just just taking down notes now exactly what you said so be sure to see that on my Instagram now that's a savory dish what's your favorite sweet dish um, I love, I, I make protein pancakes a few times a week. So I love making protein pancakes. Um, aside from that, I don't really have like a sweet craving. I have recently in the last couple of months, I completely cut out protein bars. I was having one a day and that was kind of like my sweet thing, but they're just really like highly processed. I'm trying to really cut back on processed foods this year. That was kind of like a goal of mine. Um, so I, I really just anything at home. I like to make like protein pancakes. I sometimes make little, um, protein balls from scratch, um, things like that really. But I'd say I'm probably more of a savory girl. So that's, that's more my thing. (laughs) Yum. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Gabby, for taking us into a day in the life of Gabby and um, it was really interesting to understand like your background and how you got into the fitness and um, the health industry and some really really good advice there on you know comp prep but also like lifestyle as well so I really appreciate your time. Oh thanks Jess thanks so much for having me sorry if I rambled but um, I really felt like we you know got through some really good information there and I hope that it was informative for you and for the listeners as well. No, so, so valuable. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I will speak to you yes. very <laughs> <Later>. shortly. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Gab. I will. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.